Jesus said, everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise builder who built a house on bedrock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house. It didn't fall because it was firmly set on bedrock. But everybody who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice will be like a fool who built a house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house. It fell and was completely destroyed. So here's a little test of your real estate acumen. So you're looking to buy an investment property, okay? Um, maybe you, you're looking for an ocean view. So I, I want you to picture that in your mind for a second. You contact a real estate agent, and then they show you this. So do you jump on it? That's it. That's got it. Now at the first service, somebody said, "Well, is what's the property like behind it?" <laughs> and I and I said, "You are a real estate agent's dream." <laughs> That's. Um, no, buying that house is a horrible, horrible idea. That house is doomed, full stop. Today is our, our last Sunday in our Prophecies and Pottery series. And we've been turning to the story of the prophet Jeremiah, who warned and witnessed the end of Jerusalem as it was completely destroyed by the Babylonian Empire. Israel's king and the leaders, they were taken into captivity to watch their children killed. The king's last thing that he saw before they gouged his eyes out was the Babylonians killing his children. They were brutal, absolutely brutal. And Jeremiah had warned his nation for years, for years, to make the changes that could have avoided this doom. But they didn't listen. They found all sorts of reasons to discredit him. And the day of consequence came. But shortly before that day happened, Jeremiah did something foolish. Here's what happened. Jeremiah received the Lord's word in the 10th year of Judah's king Zedekiah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar's rule. At that time, the army of the Babylonian king had surrounded Jerusalem, and the prophet Jeremiah was confined to the prison quarters in the palace of Judah's king. Jeremiah said, The Lord's words came to me. Your cousin, Hanamel, Shalom's son, is on his way to see you, and when he arrives, he will tell you, Buy my field in Anathoth, for by law you are next in line to purchase it. And just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hannibal showed up at the prison quarters and told me, Buy my field in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, for you are next in line and have a family obligation to purchase it. Then I was sure this was the Lord's doing. So I bought the field in Anathoth for my cousin Hannibal and weighed out for him 17 shekels of silver. I signed the deed, sealed it, had it witnessed, and weighed out the silver on the scales. Then I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy, with its terms and conditions, and the unsealed copy, and gave it to Baruch, 
Neriah's son, and Massasiah's grandson, before my cousin Hannibal and the witnesses have named in the deed, as well as all before the Judeans who were present in the prison quarters. I charge Baruch before all of them. The Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel, proclaims, take these documents, the sealed deed of purchase, along with the unsealed one, and put them into a clay container so they will last a long time. So he did it. Jeremiah bought the place. Even as the enemy um, army was surrounding the city, he brought property. And then he took the, the pottery, or, or the deed, and sealed it up in some pottery, a clay container, so that it would preserve the recorded deed for future generations. It made no sense. It was, the city was about to be destroyed. The whole nation was about to become the property of Babylon. And it's not as if they were going to dig up the document and say, well, since this is so nicely notarized and it's a deed that says this place belongs to you, well, we'll just call off the invasion. As Jeremiah sat in a cell, and, he, and the reason that he was in jail was really because the king was tired of him talking about warnings and doom. So they were just such a bummer, so King Zedekiah just locked him up, put him away into jail. Anyway, Jeremiah, he knew what was about to happen. But he still made this foolish property purchase. Why? Would you make a property purchase like that? I hope not. I mean, this is that, that's not a wise thing to do. But why would somebody make a choice like this? You and I, we're, we're living in uncertain times right now. We're surrounded by threats, threats of nuclear war. This last week, there were more threats of nuclear war, climate change, national and global divisions. And it's all of that. And just like it was, it's kind of a bummer. You don't want to hear about it, but it is a reality. This past month, there's a, a fellow Christian pastor, and she lives up in Minnesota. Her name is Diana Koku, and she's pregnant right now. And Diana posted this conversation that she and her sister had with the Lyft driver that was driving them someplace. Take a look. Well, we can't hear her. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, we can't hear Diana. Uh, sound issues, they're fun. Um, so, what Diana was, Diana was in the car with her sister, and the Lyft driver said something to her, and why you would say this to a pregnant woman, I have no idea, but he's, he saw her and he said, you know, I don't know why anybody would bring a child into this world. It's so messed up right now. And Diana, you know, she talked with him. And they discussed right now, have you heard people say this about having kids today? No? It's not the first time I've had this conversation. Why would a person make a choice to bring a child into this world? With all, with all the things that are going on, why would somebody make that choice now? And 
I am not denying that you and I, our, our kids, our, our grandkids are all, they are facing huge challenges. And the day of consequence for climate change is upon us. And Pope Francis just this last week was prophetically pleading with the kings and the leaders of this time to hurry up to make the necessary changes. Next month, we're going to be showing the movie The Letter. The last Sunday of the month, we're going to be doing a special showing of the, of the movie The Letter, which is about this prophetic message for our time. And I, I hope you'll come. Please come. But hope remains. That's the seemingly foolish hope that Jeremiah knew. I did something about a year ago, and it was, in my opinion, it was a good decision for me. I stopped watching the TV news altogether. Um, I stopped watching the TV news altogether. I, I don't watch any of it now. Because the news on TV, it's designed. It's designed to keep you watching. And it's designed to keep people... Ooh, um, it's designed to keep people watching by using the levers of fear and anger to just to kind of keep you tuned in. And if you keep feeding yourself a steady diet of fear it's going to gut you. So I did. So I went back to just reading a morning newspaper. I read it digitally. And I made that my primary news source. And then I set it down. I don't look at it after the morning. And it was so freeing not to be fed fear. And more than that, I want to share some facts, too. And I am not denying, I'm not blind to the challenges that are facing all of us. But humanity in these past decades has experienced less violence globally. Now, acts of extreme violence have risen a lot, but in general, acts of violence have actually decreased. Humanity, we have longer lifespans and healthier lifespans globally. And we've made huge leaps in education the literacy rate around the world has just exploded. It's wonderful. There are all these schools and teachers. I think about, I think about the or clinics and hospitals that have been built. Just like the ones that Lisa and Stacy, they're returning today from the time in Malawi. This church community and our United Church of Christ, we have supported the building of these schools and these, and these hospitals and clinics. We have supported this for years. And you know what? It worked. And it is working, in fact. These ministries that are, are rooted in Jesus' call to teach and to heal, things that are built on the core values of mercy and compassion, inclusivity, justice, and nonviolence, they are built on the rock of the, of the solid foundings of Jesus' teachings and Jesus' values. And you know what? It works. By the power of God, that foundation stands today, even despite all the challenges. 
And the truth is that even when Babylon did come in and tore the nation apart, even when, and even when the Romans did it 500 years later, and even as the day of consequence on climate change happens, God promises new beginnings. It's not the end. And building on the sure foundation, the solid rock of Jesus' values, we can dare to hope for the future. This past week with VBS, Diane, I was thinking about it, we saw the promise that lives in our kids. No question about it. At age four and five, we shared with them the stories and the, of the values that they are going to need, that they're going to need to weather the storm that's coming. And we promise, we promise as a community to be with them for as long as we can, to walk with them, because that's what it means to be church in the world. And just in a little over a month, the week after Labor Day, we are opening up for what we're calling the kids, the kids that were sitting up here this morning, they have labeled this ASH, after school hangout. Because, let's face it, if we are relying on Sunday school alone to share those rock-solid values with the next generation, well, right now that's a pretty select group. And we're not going to be indoctrinating or forcing religion on anyone. But we're going old school with this, and we're going to build relationships with young people. And I, I am truly hoping to have some fun doing this, too. Here's what I know. This church community, all of you, has some amazing people in it. I, in a couple of weeks, when we do our teacher blessing, it is always something that just makes my heart so happy. When I look out, I see the educators, the retired, once an educator, always an educator. When I see the educators in this, um, in this congregation, and you see the firm ground and values that those teachers have stood for, I'm calling now on all of us to help be present, to share our love and our values by coming and volunteering for what the kids have called after-school hangout. They've put together a plan for us. It's going, to be, uh, it's going to be two days a week, Wednesdays and Fridays, from 3.30 in the afternoon to 5. Wednesdays we're going to be, are going to be for tutoring, and we're already in touch with some of the high school kids. They're going to come down and help tutor some of the kids from the elementary schools and the middle school. And Friday, Friday is going to be for games. We need adults to be present with these kids, to be role models, and that's you. That's who you are. What I know and what I trust is this. God's Spirit works through you. When you show up and you share the love and the values of Christ, extending them into the world, and it is that love and those rock-solid values that will root our future securely no matter what storm comes. You pray with me? God, our hope in ages past, be with us now in this time. 
share the foolish hope of Jeremiah, the values of Jesus, and share your love through us.